Welcome to the Sisters of Industry podcast with hosts Laura Brown and Jen Williams, where the goal is to help you work harder, lean smarter, and live life better. Where one bloodline and different industry experiences will provide new insight to make you more effective at work and play. Our mistakes will help all of us laugh and learn. Get ready to lean in, lean out, and possibly snort coffee out your nose as they talk about all things business, leadership, and life. Let's go. I'm Jen, the Southern sister living in the South Carolina Lowcountry, using the word y'all with abandon. And I'm Laura, living in the North with piles of hoodies and thermal socks. On today's episode, we're talking about doing whatever it takes in a world that, as it turns out, is not without limits. Thanks for joining Jen and I for this episode of the Sisters of Industry. So Jen, I think let's just acknowledge that in an early episode of our podcast, we started to talk about this concept of balance, working hard, working too hard. And we're going to dig into that more today, maybe with a little bit of a different twist in that we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that we are not limitless. We live in this world that says you can be anything you want to be, you can have it all. But I just want to start today and I want to speak a truth and see if you agree with it. We are not limitless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't think I could possibly disagree because I think that there have been so many times in my life where I have run straight into a limit. And I wanted to believe that it wasn't there. I wanted to believe that I could keep running and somehow build up enough speed to go straight through the wall or that the wall would move by the time that I got there. But as it turns out, there actually are limits. It's absolutely unavoidable. I think that it's so important that the sooner we come to grips with that, you cannot have it all. You have limits. The world is not your oyster to just take as you will, right? I don't even understand that phrase, to be honest. The world is your oyster. I have never gotten that one. For discussion <laughs> well, you don't later. don't live in the low country. Be oh, that's true. We have oysters all the time. Okay, someone will have to come on at a later date and define that one for me. <laughs> Needless to say, as, as soon as you get to these reality checks, so to speak, that you can't have it all, um, I just think it's mind-boggling that we think we do and we need mm-hmm. to accept that we don't. And then once we do, we actually learn to live within constraints and be more productive and prosperous and peaceful even than we ever thought possible. I think a lot of times we think that it's going to be distressing or we don't want to bum ourselves out or create limits because that will make life more difficult or make it seem like things are not available to us. But the reality is, for me at least, as soon as I reached a point in my life where I knew that I couldn't do it all and that I had to make some very careful choices, everything got better. Life got realistic again that's true but I I think we have to stop and acknowledge here though that that's really tricky that that was actually hard to get to because in some ways it even admits and and maybe this is just me but conceding defeat and I think part of that is that we are both women 
Okay, y'all have figured that out by now. Laura and I, we're, we're both women. And I think hopefully we have a lot of men and women listening to this podcast because I think we're talking about things that apply to both. But I think we'd be running over this here to, to miss the fact that we came into the work world at an interesting shift in time because the generation and maybe the two generations prior to us there were women who had to work really hard to find their ways into certain industries and into um, different sectors. And with that, they had to fight through and even forward this concept that women could have it all, that we could be wives and mothers and also work outside of the home and have these really meaningful careers. And so in some ways, because that was a good fight and that was a good, okay, we've got to get into these areas and, and bring women to the table in those regards. But what we found was that everybody kind of ran that direction with really good intentions. But one of the unintended consequences was that then we felt like not only could we have it all, but we should have it all. And it started to build this mentality that there shouldn't be limits. And if there are limits, then they're just limits that are waiting for us to break them. And so there was almost this overriding guilt factor of, no, 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 no. But if I'm not trying to have it all, then I'm not trying hard enough. And so I'm sorry if that went down a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think we have to own the point in time where we're living in where we're trying to bring back into the conversation that, no, 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 you actually can't have it all, but it's not for the same reasons as before. It's the reality of we do have to make choices in life. And even though those choices might be hard, when we make those hard choices, we get to thrive in the areas of life that we are walking in. Is that fair, Laura? Are you with me on that? I think it's fair. Here's how I reconcile it. So we absolutely have these persons that went before us and set a stage and we want to be respectful of that. And I know I'm so thankful of that. A couple decades ago, you would not have um, someone in my position. I wouldn't be getting on planes and going to other countries by myself to participate in meetings in a manufacturing world, right? Would not be happening without others that have gone before me and paved the way. I think in my mind, the way I reconcile those that have gone before and this concept of finding balance is knowing that we have to create a sustainable improvement for everyone. So it's not uncommon in the world I live in when we do continuous improvement projects, we often miss a step. We go through all the work of defining a problem, measuring what is happening, putting corrective action in place, measuring that we got the results we wanted. And the step that we often miss is putting in place sustainability measures so we maintain the gains we got and can grow beyond them. And to me, when I think about acknowledging that I have limits, that I can't be a perfect mom, a perfect employee, a perfect spouse, a perfect housekeeper all at the same time, acknowledging that those limits exist, to me, is a way of starting to provide sustainability to that we can have it all, we can do a lot of things culture. I think it's still fantastic to say, I can be a wife, and I can be a mom, and I can have a really great job. And I live in a world where all of those opportunities 
opportunities are afforded to me, and I'm incredibly thankful for that. But I believe I owe it to my son and to my daughters and to others that are around me to acknowledge that we need to find a way to balance all of those things together and know where we do have limits so that we can keep taking advantage of that kind of opportunity in the world around us. No, I absolutely agree. And and I appreciate that. The the word sustainable in what you said is what stands out to me is that a lot of times knowing that there are limits is what enables sustainability. But interestingly, it's also what enables some of the innovation that we're looking for. I remember being at a conference, it's been years ago now, but there was a breakout and the speaker was a guy named Bobby Grunwald. And Bobby Grunwald came from corporate world, but ended up working at a very large church that is based out of Oklahoma City, but they're all over the country, all over the world really at this point called Life Church. And what Bobby Grunwald did is he was one of the key people who came up with YouVersion, which is this um, Bible app that is just become huge, millions and millions of downloads all over the world, but the Bible in all kinds of versions in people's hands. But he was doing a breakout on innovation, and he shocked me because he opened up with the concept that the best innovation comes within the box thinking. And obviously that was counterintuitive. Everything we've heard all our lives is, you know, think outside of the box, think outside of the box. That's how you get creative. And he made a very compelling argument for the fact that it's exactly at the points when we acknowledge the limits, when we acknowledge the box we're in, when we acknowledge the bottom line and the cash flow, when we acknowledge the reality of where we are. I pastor a church that's still portable. There are things we can do and things we cannot do because everything has to go into trailers at the end of the day. And he put this in perspective and said, once you've acknowledged the limits, then you get to be really creative with the possibilities going, if we only have these pieces to work with, then what can we do? Whereas when we make it out of the box, then we're going, well, there's all these pieces and now we can't even focus. And so in some ways, it it plays out into a larger picture. The minute that we realize we're not limitless, we actually get to do more with what we have. So I started thinking about the movie Apollo 13 when you were talking about that, Jen. And Mm -hmm. one of... I know exactly where you're going. Do you? So in case our listeners aren't on the same brave wave as we are... um, That scene when they realize that they have an issue with the carbon dioxide and oxygen balance and they get a group of engineers at NASA in a room and say, in order to keep our astronauts alive, we need to figure out a way to create a filter um, using only these things. And the lead engineer or whomever it was, I can't remember at the moment, dumps onto the table a box of items and says... This is all they have to work with. Go. And in those moments, those engineers created a life-saving device, having accepted that they could only work with what was in the box that was provided for them. Had they been given everything and all the resources in the world, they would have just spun and spun and spun, maybe come up with some really funky solutions, but most of them wouldn't have been practical for the astronauts. And the consequences might not have been um, what they had hoped or the outcome may not have been what they'd hoped, excuse me. 
But I just no, think that's, that's like an amazing scene. It's an amazing scene. I think about that all the time. That scene also, by the way, leaders, is a great one to show in a staff meeting and ask your staff the dynamic that they observed in the room during that scene of the movie because it's a great chance to see people challenging each other in a produ- productive manner and a way to see a leader taking charge and saying yes or no and defining constraints and keeping a team moving. So for what it's worth, a really great staff meeting build moment scene as well as is much of that movie. That's awesome. That's brilliant. And I know that this is a big topic and this I'm about to ask you a question that I think is important and we can do a whole nother episode on it at some point. But we're talking a lot about the given limits, the ones that are put upon us. But really quickly, I'd love to know from you, Laura, do you have boundaries that you set for yourself? I wish I could sit here and tell you these are the four boundaries I have for myself. And I don't. I'm not good at this. So I'm going to acknowledge that for the listeners right out of the gate. However, I do have some what I'm going to call some flexible boundaries that I do like to think about and I think are probably more meaningful than I acknowledge. Um, because I haven't written them down. I don't I don't think about them very succinctly. But one of them, for example, as I balance professional life and personal life, I will not miss concerts that my kids are in. So for example, you know, two of my three children play instruments and are in various bands and ensembles. I do not miss the annual fall concert, the holiday concert, the spring concert, those really big moments, right? Um, Conversely, I'll be honest, when it comes to, let's say, baseball season, I will miss a game or two because there's 15 games maybe over the course Mm -hmm. of baseball season I have to acknowledge that I'm gonna only make it to 13 of them potentially between a travel schedule or a late night at the office or you know a dinner with a client for example um you know so I think that's a boundary that I don't acknowledge very tightly but I definitely have there are things I will not miss and things that I allow myself some flexibility with um At the same time, I do not have strong boundaries with how I use my time in and out of the office. And this is an intentional non-boundary. So I will sometimes leave the office at, let's say, 3 o'clock to make sure that I make it to the high school to help load up the marching band to get to the football game, right? Part of what I do, I take a lot of pride and interest in doing that with my daughter um, and with her Mm -hmm. team and with my friends that do that work, right? It's important to me. Um, At the same time, I might get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to join a conference call in Europe that's starting at 5 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time um, so that I can participate in something with my overseas colleagues and so that maybe I started my day early so I could go make that marching band commitment at the end of the day. So there's an example where... I have a fluid boundary, but that ability to be flexible, in essence, creates a rule of living that helps me find balance. That's great. I I love that. And that actually takes us straight to where we're heading in our next statement and next segment, which is how do we know when it's okay to do whatever it takes? These are conversations that go hand in hand, and we'll be right back with that conversation. 
time for our memory lane moment. And this particular memory comes from a trip we took as a family. We're beach people. We spent most of our summers finding a week where we could get away to the beach with some extended family and some time in the sand. In our family, we were a a traditional in the sense that dad did a lot of the driving, still does. He likes to be in the driver's seat. We love you, dad. And my mom actually was very comfortable with that. She did not feel the need to be in the driver's seat. She preferred for my dad to do that. But there was one particular trip where dad's back had gone out and the script needed to flip. And Laura, I think you have a better memory of this. This is where you're the older sister and maybe have a little more clarity on what was one of the more entertaining drives of our childhood vacations. So I feel like we made it only to episode four before you called me on the old lady card for remembering something. So I will remember that moment, Jen. Um, So here's what I remember about this. What does this have to do with limits, right? So my dad reached a limit. It quite literally was when he was reaching for a pen or pencil, I believe, on his desk. So like many of us, he was in the office in the final hours before leaving for vacation, dotting a couple eyes, crossing a few T's did the whole bend over thing and couldn't get back up because his back was out. I have back issues, totally get where he was coming from. P.S. I'm sure those back issues are because we're bad at limits and there's stress in our backs. So notice the little tie there. (laughs) Um, Needless to say, dad's back was not good. It was going to require some medication. He was in pain and we were supposed to leave for the beach. Our family did not consider limits for getting to the beach. It was not an option that we were not going. (laughs) Let's be serious. Um, So it was decided that mom was going to drive to the beach that year. I don't remember all the detailed discussion that probably went into that. What I remember is dad couldn't. Mom could. You knew dad didn't like it. You knew mom didn't like it, but it was the way we were going to make it um, to the beach. And a couple things happened that are just so funny about that trip. I remember dad being uncomfortable, both physically in pain and that he had put mom in a situation that she didn't particularly love. Um, That was a while ago when dad did all the driving all the time. Um, But I remember my mom in just the ultimate case of awesomeness saying, I got this, and getting in the car and saying, I will not miss being at the beach. I'm going to make this drive. And I'm going to be honest, guys, there were some moments. There might have been a little yelling in that car. I seem to recall there was a time when we literally had to just get pulled over because there was some heated discussion about which exit or which lane was the right one to be in. Um, But we did whatever it took as a family. I'm sure Jen and I were under gag orders to sit in the back and shut it um, to make sure that that trip went well. Um, But mom and dad did not recognize a limit in this case, did whatever it took. It was hilarious. But in that moment, and I think this will play into our next segment, Jen, right? It was a unique thing. It was a one-time thing. And they did what it took. And we got to the beach and we had a beautiful week. And magic, oh magic, as the stress melted away, dad's back situation got better as the week progressed. At least that's what's in my childhood memory. Dad might listen to this and call and tell us, no, I was in pain for two months. You guys just were young and didn't pay attention and know it. So true. That or he just had a week to convince mom that there was no way he wasn't driving back home and back in that driver's seat. Oh, such a great memory. Thanks for going down memory lane. Well, Laura, you did a great job giving us a good example of a limit you set, but also some spaces where you do whatever it takes. And so I want us to spend a couple minutes talking through 
some guidelines we can use to determine when sacrifice or whatever it takes are okay. We're going to remove the limits and go because this is true, right? I think we let off with maybe an area we struggle with a little bit more, but there are these moments where whatever it takes is okay. So talk talk us through some of those guidelines. How do you know when all in is okay? I think the very first thing for all in is okay is recognizing the moment as unique. If your default position is I'm going to do whatever it takes, there are no boundaries, I'm going to run myself into the ground and get this done, that is not a formula for success. But if you have That's if you have this way of hitting pause, even if that pause is a fraction of a second and saying is this a unique opportunity or moment that I am looking at. I'm not setting a precedent by choosing to do whatever it takes in this moment. It's a once in a lifetime thing. I think that that is a great first start to say, okay, this is unique. I'm never again going to get the chance to see Coldplay live and I'm going to go ahead and go without getting any sleep. So there's an example that has nothing to do with business, right? But it's saying, I'm doing whatever it takes. I'm getting there. It's my once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, In business world, it might be um, being able to say, hey, this is the only chance I will ever have to make a pitch to the Walmart Corporation, who are the big bad dogs in this distribution channel. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be ready for this presentation, to be there on time, and to make the best pitch of my life. This is a unique once-in-a-lifetime moment. That's a great place to start because... you do know those. We can recognize when those moments come. And not only can you recognize when those moments come, but when it is a unique moment, it's easier to step back and articulate it to everyone else around you, whether that's articulating it to your team or articulating it to your spouse, but being able to say, right now, there is this project, this thing, this moment, this hill that we have to get over. And so I'm going to need the the permission and the support is a lot of times what we're asking for. Or if it is your team, I'm going to need your efforts because collectively, it's time to go over this hill. And like you said, if every week you've got a new hill that you want everybody to run over, they're going to get tired and they're not going to believe you. But when it truly is a unique moment, you can capitalize on that. The most recent example I can think of for me was just a couple of years ago, we were in the middle of closing on the land that we were going to purchase to build our building for our church And that's a process we're still in. Lots of material to come from that. But we were closing on the land. And so there were a lot of financial conversations that I needed to have. And I needed to be able to sit with people over tables, face-to-face, one-on-one, and have those conversations. And so I actually set aside a month on my calendar and had someone else take it for me with blocks that were marked out and fill all of those slots. But I was able to say to my husband and to our team, this is something we're doing right now. It is not a way we're going to live. These are not permanent meeting spots on my calendar. They are here for this conversation and for this opportunity right now. And then those meeting blocks disappear from my fixed calendar. So I talked about a Coldplay concert, you buying land to build a church. They are the same, right? (laughs) 
Woo! In fairness, the Coldplay concert was you laying it all out there to get your teenage daughter to the band of her dreams. And so that is a major mom moment win that you did. Fair. Thank you for making me sound a little bit better. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. So guideline number one, I think, that we just arrived at is, is this moment unique? that I'm putting it all on the line for. Number two um, to me is, is this moment meaningful? So things can be unique without being meaningful. Um, And I think that that's probably something we all would grasp with differently, but need to accept. So when I'm thinking, am I going to do whatever it takes? Am I going to sacrifice? Am I going to maybe stretch beyond my limits um, into the red zone? I want to know that the moment is meaningful. The stakes might be high. Um, The moment is for the greater good. There are things at stake that are greater than me that need to be addressed here. Um, This is not a choice to lay it on the line for the mundane or for something that happens on a regular basis or, frankly, for something that just doesn't have meaning. I don't want to put everything I have out there and maybe let's just say miss precious time with my family so that I can attend a conference that happens every year with the same speakers, right? I just, I want to know if I'm putting it all out there that this is a meaningful moment that is about more than just me. No, that's so important. And I love that you used the conference example, too, because I think in work worlds a lot, we do live in an age where there's some really great collaborative events. We've even talked about cross-industry collaborations and all the opportunities that are out there. And it's really easy to assign meaning with abandon. And we have to be so careful about that because those things take a big toll from our teams from the people that are you know behind doing the day-to-day work and from our families and I can actually think of a conference I went to where in the opening session the person talking said some of you don't need to be here right now and if that's you get up and go home you have other things to deal with and so but for the rest of you that need to be here you are here and it did cost you something and it was a sacrifice. So lean in, buckle up, let's go. And so I think that's, I think that's really great. Um, you're doing a great job so far, Laura. So with the guidelines, you've got the moment is unique. The moment is meaningful. And then there's one more that we talked about that I think you, uh, I've just watched you. Um, you are my big sister. I already outed you once today. But um, you're a person of great humility and you have some huge responsibility in what you do. But you carry it well and with a whole lot of humility. And so the last guideline that I want you to talk a little bit more about is that the moment is not about ego or personal gain. So this one is to me incredibly personal and very, very meaningful. And I got to it by making mistakes. It is so important when you decide to do whatever it takes that you pause and say, why am I doing this? Because so often I've made the mistake and I've watched others make the same mistake where there really is no meaningfulness or higher purpose to what they're doing or the risk they're causing other than the desire to stand out and serve their own personal gain or ego moment. So I refer to this often with people at work as Um, unintentional superhero. And for our listeners, I really intend to write a book someday that is entitled Take Your Cape Off. Um, Because I mean, I believe so much in this concept. I I believe so much in this concept. It is 
not helpful to an organization, um, to your family, to a personal life, if you live in superhero mode all the time. Even Clark Kent put his glasses back on and went to the newspaper every now and then and lived a normal life, right? <laughs> um, that is probably not a well-derived superhero reference that I just made. I'll work on better ones for the future. Um, but my point is that if you are wearing that superhero cape all the time you're and allowing it to feed your ego, you're not doing whatever it takes for the right reason. And you're on a path that's destructive for both you and everyone around you. You can create an organization that's dependent upon you wearing your cape and getting us all out of a situation to the point that you can't take a vacation because things are going to be an issue without you. Or frankly, worse yet, you can get to the point where you believe you can't take a vacation, even if it's not true, because of what will happen if you're not there to solve it. So one of the things that I like to impress upon persons when they're asking me about balance is to always tell them, that part of what you should be doing is saying, you know, I have a couple capes. I have those superhero capes in my closet. I pull them out for special occasions when the world needs me to do something great or where there's something unique I can provide that only I can provide. But I cannot every day serve my personal ego um, and think about personal gain and keep that cape on because it's destructive to everybody around me. Um, so I believe in this one a lot. And I believe that if you are really honest with yourself about your motivation for why you're doing whatever it takes and start to recognize those moments where the only reason you're doing it is because you want credit or you want to stand out, you're gonna to start to filter through those choices a lot more readily. And P.S., when you do choose to put your cape on, it'll be a standout moment that people will recognize differently. And ultimately, um, it'll be a better outcome for you, for your company, for your family, whomever is around you. And quite honestly, that's the superhero you wanna be. Absolutely. I think that's so good. And I actually just heard another leader recently saying that it's hard to be a hero at home when you're never home. And I think the same is true. It's hard to be a hero in the places that we're not. And the problem is too many times we're too focused simply on being the hero that we're not even in the right place. And so I think, you know, maybe this was a backwards way of going about it. But what we're saying is that there really are moments where whatever it takes is called for. There are moments when it is okay to go all in. It is okay to say me living an industrial life that matters means that I'm going to give 110% in this moment and for this season. But Laura just gave us a great group of guidelines. And so one more time, that's when, when it's good to go, when it's okay to go, whatever it takes is when the moment is unique, when the moment is meaningful, and when the moment is not about our own ego or personal gain, but something that's so much bigger than that. And so ultimately what I heard you say is that I could keep my Wonder Woman cape, but maybe need to take it off and put it in the closet 99% of the time. That was so good. <laughs> It's time for some real talk with the Sisters of Industry, a chance for Jen and I to step back from thinking and just give you some real talk about how some of these concepts we talked about today happen in real life. So um, 
here's the truth. I am a regular visitor to the Overcommitted Anonymous support group. Um, <laughs> let's be serious. I could be president of this group. So while we just talked about boundaries and limits in this episode, I'll be the first to admit that I'm the founding president of Overcommitted Anonymous. Jen, I'm pretty sure I have seen you at the meetings as well. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't miss a meeting. Yeah, seriously, that's right. It's on my calendar. I must be there. Um, so let's get real. Um, as an overcommitted anonymous, I'm sure there is a time where you failed to recognize a limit, Jen. So I'm going to ask you to bear off for us. I hope there's a funny moment in there so we can all laugh at you a little bit too. Tell us about a time you overcommitted and blew well past the limit. Oh my, unfortunately, there are just some ready examples of that. But the the biggest one that I look back on and can just shake my head and go, what were you thinking? Um, it was just one of the more ridiculous moments of my life. I was pregnant with um, my second son. So I have two boys and I, I was expecting the second one. And one of the things you do right away when you find out you're having a baby is you look for the date, right? When When is my life about to be interrupted? <laughs> when are things about to shift? And what that is that going to look like? And unfortunately, you can't perfectly plan some of those things. And so when I looked up the date, I realized that he was due basically a week to a week and a half after, um, before Easter. Now, as I've shared, I'm a pastor and Easter is basically the Super Bowl of our year. And at that point, we were only a couple years into our church plant. And so it wasn't like I had a big staff or a bunch of people that I could call on. And a lot of people were still figuring out who we were. And so this was one of those moments when I definitely had the superhero cape on and thought there can't be Easter without me. <laughs> and um, if, you know, um, for those of you out there, it's actually about Jesus. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's a big deal. And so, but in my head, I was so in this, whatever it takes, go, go, go mode. I have to be there. There was no question in my mind that I was going to have to make it work. I was going to have to have a baby and then do Easter and it would just be fine. That was my go-to. It will be fine. And I remember when my mom did the math and realized what I was staring down and basically was in my ear going, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot. And it's one of the moments in my life where I, I ignored that voice of wisdom that has been there my whole life and I should listen to all the time and I ignored it. And so it was funny. We actually um, came right up to the time that he was um, he was coming into the world and there was a slight complication early on. And I remember the nurse coming into the room saying, um, hey, just want to give you a heads up. Things are still OK, but we may need to do a C-section. And I looked right at her and I said, no, you can't. I have to preach next week. And so she laughed at me or rolled her eyes. She probably thought lots of things about me in her head that she knew to be true but nevertheless I had my son and a week and a half post childbirth with a newborn I preached on Easter I have no idea what I said I have no idea how it went because my head was not present I was sleep deprived and it was a moment of raw um, arrogance it was a moment of just completely being 
unaware of my own limits. And instead of opening an opportunity to really be able to say, it's not about me because it's not about me. Instead, I, I went with whatever it takes and to the detriment of my own health and my family and everyone that was around me that I sent a message that said, no, 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 you can't be human. We have to just do whatever it takes. And so there it is um, in all of its raw form. That was that was me putting on a cape that should never have been on. So three hashtags for that story. Hashtag, it's about Jesus. <laughs> Hashtag, maternity leave is for a reason. Um, and I think we should also use um, hashtag get real girl. Um, I remember that. I wasn't there. I know the story. And I remember thinking you were crazy. And then also thinking I'd do the same thing. So with that being said, let me say this to all of you. Jen and I are admitting that this is not something we're good at. But it is so important to think about these guidelines and to think about when it's right to do whatever it takes and when it's just wrong. Um, And I want to leave you with a thought. If you don't have one, get an accountability partner to help you look at this issue. I clearly do not recommend Jen and I as your accountability partners for this. Um, But you need to have somebody in your life who's willing to look at you and say, hashtag, get over yourself. And that will make things so much better and help you start to find better balance in your life. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life. Pause. All right. Sisters, business, what can go wrong? Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sisters of Industry. Join us weekly as Laura and Jen reflect on their shared upbringing and divergent life experiences to draw out lessons to help us all lead and live meaningful, industrious lives.